Welcome to Sunday School with Joelton Church of the Nazarene. My name is John Mills. I'm glad we could have this time together. We are continuing our study of the Ten Commandments. We've looked at the first three, and today we'll be looking at the fourth commandment, Honor the Sabbath Day. But before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. I want to use Paul's prayer that he prays for the Philippians. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, our focus is to understand what God intends for the Sabbath to be for us. How do we incorporate the Sabbath into our lives? This commandment to honor the Sabbath, it's one of the most debated commandments in the Christian church. Exactly what does it mean? Who does it apply to? Is it still relevant to us today? Now, we don't see these questions with many of the other commandments. Those seem to be pretty straightforward. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, uh, you shall not commit adultery, etc. Now, when you start looking into this, you find many people who absolutely rave about the Sabbath. They consider it an incredible blessing. But for a lot of Christians, Sabbath may not mean that much. So, is there something to this? Are we missing out on a blessing that God has provided for us? A.J. Swoboda is a Christian pastor who writes, This practice of observing the Sabbath has saved my marriage, my ministry, my faith, and I might even say my life. Now, that is a lot there. Now, for others, the Sabbath may remind you of boring days when you really couldn't do the things that you wanted to do. And so you may have mixed feelings about the Sabbath. We know that the Sabbath can become restricting. By Jesus' day, the command to observe the Sabbath had accumulated this huge mass of rules around it, and it became something that was a burden rather than a blessing. So what is the Sabbath all about? Is it a blessing that God gives to us? Is it a sacrifice that we make to God? What does God intend for the Sabbath to be in our lives, in the middle of our modern, high-tech, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week society? Our text today comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this command is repeated in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5. But as we look at the idea of the Sabbath, you know, in our society, observance of the Sabbath, it has been dropping in recent years. But there are a, a lot of people in the United States who will say that the Sabbath is important. It's interesting, there was a Gallup poll in 1978 
and then it was repeated in 2016, so almost 40 years later. In 1978, uh, 74% of Americans said that the Sabbath had personal religious significance for them. By 2016, that had dropped to 50%. But notice, it's still fully half of the country. In uh, 1978, 62% said it was important for the church or for the people to set aside one day a week for spiritual rest. Now, that had dropped as well uh, to around 50% in 2016. As we look at this idea of the Sabbath, we know that many states today still have what are called blue laws. These are laws that restrict certain activities on Sunday. For example, the states of Michigan and Illinois have car dealers who are closed on Sunday. In Maine, hunting is not allowed on Sunday. In Maryland, no professional sports can take place before 1 p.m. on Sunday. So we can see there is still a lot of observance of Sunday as a Sabbath day. For Nazarenes, which we are, we are expected to observe the Lord's day. The conduct of covenant that we agree to when we become members says, they shall evidence their commitment to God by avoiding evil of any kind, including profaning of the Lord's day by participation in unnecessary secular activities. So today we are going to look at several big questions. First of all, what exactly is the Sabbath? What does Scripture tell us about it? Secondly, why did God establish the Sabbath? What was the purpose? And then finally, what does the Sabbath mean for us today? Do we have a scriptural requirement to keep the Sabbath? And then I want to continue this lesson next week where we are going to look at what does it mean to keep the Sabbath in our society, in life today? How do we make this, uh, this commandment a meaningful part of our lives? So let's begin by looking at what exactly the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is the name that God gives to the seventh day. The seventh day during creation was marked as special. Genesis 2-3 says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. So this was a day that was marked as different, as special, from the very beginning, from the very creation, the day that God rests. Now, we are not meaning that God rested in the sense of recovering from being tired. God wasn't exhausted from His efforts. Rest means that God had finished. He had stopped creating. He had ceased His activities. The creation was complete, and so God rested. We see the same kind of thing in a court trial. When the prosecution finishes presenting its evidence, when it said everything it needs to say, the lawyer will stand up and say, the prosecution rests. And so we see God resting. Now, this was the seventh day, which was marked from the evening on Friday until sundown on Saturday. The Old Testament doesn't name the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as we do. Instead, it refers to them by number, the first day, the second day, the third day. 
Now, Genesis doesn't name the day as the Sabbath. Instead, it refers to it just as the seventh day, the day that is set apart. So, we can see that from the very beginning, the seventh day was marked as special, but there was no requirement that it have any special kind of observances. Uh, This was not in the book of Genesis. We don't find this until we get to the book of Exodus. There's no talk about keeping the Sabbath until the children of Israel are traveling through the desert on their way to Canaan. In fact, the first time we see the word Sabbath itself is in Exodus, when God is giving manna to His people. Now, you remember the story. God supplied the Israelites with manna, but He gave them very specific instructions. They were together only what they needed for that particular day. They weren't together several days' worth. If they tried to keep it past one day, uh, it would rot. It would begin to grow worms. And some of them didn't listen. They tried keeping it around the second day, and sure enough, that's what happened. And Moses was angry with them because they wouldn't listen. But on the sixth day, some of them gathered twice as much. And the leaders came to Moses and said, you know, the people are gathering more than they need. And Moses said, that's okay. The seventh day would be a Sabbath, and they were not to, to gather manna or to cook manna on the Sabbath day. Instead, they were to rest. And so this is the first time that we see uh, the idea of resting on the Sabbath as a way to observe the Sabbath. There were other Sabbath days besides the seventh day. For example, the Day of Atonement would be an annual Sabbath day. It occurred on the 10th day of the 7th month. And because it was always on the 10th day of the month, some years it might be on the 7th day of the week. Some years it would not be. But it was to be for them a Sabbath day, a day of solemn rest. But when we look at the commandment to honor the Sabbath, it's talking about setting aside the 7th day, Saturday, as the Sabbath day. To be observed each week. So we notice the Sabbath itself was instituted before the law was given to the Israelites. Uh, When they were traveling through the desert, Moses tells them to obey the Sabbath and not to gather manna. And this was before the law was actually given from Mount Sinai. Now, the law was given in very specific ways. Uh, they were told what to do and what not to do on the Sabbath. It's interesting that the sixth commandment requires only four words, thou shalt not kill. The fourth commandment about the Sabbath day, there are approximately 97 words, depending upon the translation that you might use. But I think God is recognizing our tendency to look for loopholes. You know, if we're only told to observe the Sabbath, we immediately start to start to question, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to observe the Sabbath? Can I do this? Can I do that? First, it meant they were not to do any work on the Sabbath. Now, this included everyone. It was not only for they themselves. It included their children, their slaves. It included any foreigners who lived among them. It even included their animals. No one was to work. Now, it's one thing to stop working yourself, but to let everyone else that works for you to stop their work as well, 
Uh, that is something else. Now, they were to stop all kinds of work. It included even something as simple as lighting a fire. In fact, later on, the oral part of the law would list 39 different types of work that was forbidden on the Sabbath. Now, besides the obligation to rest on the Sabbath, the Sabbath was also to include worship. Uh, it was a time of sacred assembly. It was a time for special burnt offerings to be offered. So it was a weekly recognition of God, that God is worthy of our worship. In the New Testament, we find that the Sabbath would include listening to the words of the prophets that were being read. Several times we are told that Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and read from the Scriptures and taught in the, in the synagogues. Now, we can see then there were specific uh, obligations that went along with the Sabbath. And there were several conditions associated with it. First of all, the Sabbath was intended to be a lasting covenant. It wasn't temporary. It wasn't something that would go away. Uh, Leviticus 16 makes it clear. The Sabbath was to mark them forever as the people of God. And also, the Sabbath was to be observed wherever they might live. Even if they were in exile, they were to continue to observe the Sabbath. Now, the next question we want to consider, why was the Sabbath given? What was the purpose of the Sabbath? Well, first of all, we want to make it clear, the Sabbath was always intended to be a blessing. It was not to be a hardship. It was not to be something that was difficult to bear. You know, the Sabbath really developed a bad name from the Pharisees. They turned the Sabbath really into a travesty, a travesty of what God meant for it to be. Exodus 31, 17 says, It's a sign between me, speaking of the Lord, and the children of Israel. Because, it says, on the seventh day, the Lord rested and was refreshed. So we see the idea of the Sabbath as a day of refreshing. And then Isaiah 58 describes the Sabbath, and it says, You should call the Sabbath a delight, and then you should delight yourself in the Lord. Now, Jesus made this idea clear when he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, the Pharisees were upset that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. Jesus was telling them, this is the whole point of the Sabbath. It's a time when it's lawful to do good. The Sabbath is intended to be a time of healing, a time of renewal and restoration. It was never intended to put people into bondage. We can get an idea of the specialness of the Sabbath by looking at how many modern-day uh, Jewish people observe the Sabbath. On Friday evening at sundown, when the Sabbath begins, you would wash yourself, you know, you would, you would get clean, you would put on your best clothes, you come together as a family, uh, you would light the Sabbath candle, drink wine or grape juice from a silver goblet, there were Sabbath blessings that were given, Sabbath psalms that were sung, and then usually sitting down to uh, a meal, a meal of the best food that you could provide. Now, we see that the Sabbath was to be a sign. 
Exodus 31:13. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Now, a sign is something that points us in the right direction. It points us toward the truth. So the Sabbath was a sign pointing to God. It was a symbol of God's faithfulness, of God's provision. On the Sabbath, you stopped looking to your own activity, to your own industriousness. Instead, it was a time where you waited upon God, where you knew that God would provide, that God would care for you. So the Sabbath was a weekly reminder that you could trust God, that you could rely upon Him. Observing the Sabbath requires this trust. You have to stop striving and working on your own behalf. And we, we miss the importance of this in our society today because many of us work for a corporation or a business. But those who work for themselves, the more they work, the more they earn. When they work less, their business suffers. So when you have to stop, your competition doesn't. If you stop once a week, it takes discipline. It takes a trust in God that God is going to provide that you don't have to provide. Think of a farmer who stops during the busiest time of the harvest. That would require a lot of trust that I can do nothing and yet God will still provide. So observing the Sabbath meant that one day a week you would have to take off you would have to give all of your servants the day off. You would have to even let your animals take the day off. All work done by you or on your behalf would stop, and you would have to trust that God would continue to take care of you anyway. It's, it's appropriate that the first time the word Sabbath is used is when God provides manna for the Israelites. The manna was daily food. It came every night, and they gathered it every morning. But there was a strict command. They were together only the, enough for one day. They weren't to try to hoard it. Uh, if so, it would begin to stink. So the idea was every day you trust God to send you what you need for that day. By stopping work on the Sabbath, you were trusting God to go ahead and deliver what you would need. Now, we also get a reminder of the Sabbath each night when we go to sleep. Now, this is a type of Sabbath that's forced upon us. You have no choice. Each evening, we have to stop and spend the next six, eight hours being totally unproductive, earning no money, getting nothing accomplished. But the world doesn't stop. God doesn't stop. God continues to keep everything moving, even without our help. And so the weekly Sabbath, we're doing the same thing, but on a voluntary basis. We stop and we trust God to keep everything moving. Eugene Peterson writes, If we do not regularly quit work for one day a week, we take ourselves far too seriously. So the Sabbath should be a source of comfort and reassurance. At the end of each week, we can quit our work knowing that nothing essential will stop, that God is still taking care of His world. So instead of our unfinished work being a source of anxiety causing us to fret, instead we can stop and recognize God is continuing to work. 
The Israelites were given the command to obey the Sabbath in two different parts of the law, in Exodus and later in Deuteronomy. And it's interesting, the reasons for the Sabbath were different. In Exodus, the Israelites are told, obey the Sabbath because God rested on the seventh day. God had finished His work, completed everything He needed to do, and saw that it was good. So, the Sabbath was a sign that God was able and faithful to finish all of His work. In Deuteronomy, the Israelites are told to obey the Sabbath because they had been slaves in Egypt. Again, we see the Sabbath as a sign. This time, a sign for the Israelites to remember what it had been like to have been a slave what it was like to have no choice over whether you worked or not. God had given them freedom, and they were to mark this freedom by observing the Sabbath for themselves, but also their servants, their animals. So the Sabbath was a reminder of the obligation to care for others, a reminder all people are created in the image of God. Other people aren't put here to be used by us, They are put here to glorify God just as we are. Now, we have to remember the Sabbath rest is not a rest from suffering or from struggle. That's not going to be possible in this life. But it's a rest in the sense that we are are sensing God's presence, God's guidance, support, God's empowerment, no matter what is breaking loose around us. So, we can see the Sabbath was also a time when they were to deny themselves. They weren't to go their own way. They weren't to do as they please. Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah is telling them the Sabbath was to be a time when justice was pursued. It was intended to remind the Israelites of their obligation to their fellow man to care for those who needed protection and help. Uh, Isaiah 53 Uh, verses 13 and 14. If you keep your feet from breaking, breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Now, earlier in this chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah had been reproving the Israelites because they fasted in worship to the Lord. But at the same time, Isaiah writes, On the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Isaiah then goes on to say a true fast would include loosening the chains of injustice, setting the oppressed free. We get the same idea about the Sabbath. A true Sabbath is more than just a rest, but it's a time when we work for the rest of others as well, when we set the oppressed free. Amy Julia Becker writes about the fourth commandment that it's a hinge command, as she describes it. She says it's a hinge because it links the first three commandments with the last six commandments. Now, the first three commandments, uh, you shall have no other gods, you're not to make graven images, you're not to take the name of God in vain. These have to deal with how we relate to God. The last six, 
uh, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, etc. They deal with how we relate to people. So we can see the fourth commandment, honor the Sabbath, comes between these, acting as a hinge. It links them together. It's a reminder of how we are to relate to God, that we are to trust in Him, and also how we are to relate to others, working for justice, uh, working to, to provide freedom for others. Now, we also see that the Sabbath is a day of which or which requires discipline on our part. Uh, we don't keep the Sabbath accidentally. It requires deliberate action on our part. Now, Americans have really made an idol of work. In fact, it's interesting, in Afghanistan, which we would consider to be far below us uh, as a developed country, their workers are entitled to 20 vacation days per year. In the United States, it's 10 vacation days per year. But even that, we don't take the amount of days we are given. In 2018, Americans left 768 million vacation days that were not taken. Uh, Andrew Swoboda writes, We relish our overstuffed, busy lives. We see them as proof that we are relevant, that we are important, uh, that our lives have purpose. So, keeping the Sabbath requires a discipline on our part, uh, really great discipline. So, as we can see, the Sabbath was one day each week when the Israelites were reminded of their need to trust God, they were reminded of their duty to care for their neighbor, and they were required to discipline themselves. All of this made the Sabbath into a blessing. So, how do we view the Sabbath today? Are we expected to observe the Sabbath? Is that a biblical command for Christians? Well, as you look at this, we find four different interpretations of the Sabbath in the church. There is what's called the seventh-day view. The seventh-day view of the Sabbath is that the, the Sabbath command, honor the Sabbath day, it's a moral law of God which is still binding upon us requiring us to keep the actual seventh day of the week, Saturday, as our Sabbath. That just like the Jews, Saturday is to remain a day of rest and worship, even for Christians. Now, the largest denomination that takes this view is probably the Seventh-day Adventist, but you also find Seventh-day Baptists, Seventh-day Catholics, and other groups as well. Now, they would point out that Saturday is the only day that Scripture describes as special or significant. Uh, there are no other Scripture verses recognizing Sunday as a special or unique day. And they would say, even though we're not under the Mosaic Law, the New Testament clearly upholds the Ten Commandments, which would include the Fourth Commandment of honoring the Sabbath. So, if we believe Christians are under the other nine commandments, why wouldn't we uh, observe the fourth commandment? The seventh-day Sabbath uh, people would also say that Jesus, the apostles, the early church for several hundred years, they all observed the Sabbath on Saturday. The move to Sunday was made not by Jesus, not by the apostles. It was made by the early church. 
In fact, they would say that the only day that's designated in Scripture as the Lord's Day or the only day where God himself designates a day as the Lord's Day, God is referring to Saturday. Isaiah 58, 13, God says, My holy day, the holy day of the Lord. Now, we do find Sunday referred to as the Lord's Day in Scripture. Uh, For example, the book of Revelation talks of John being in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, but it's not God Himself calling it the Lord's Day. Now, they would also point out that Sunday was a day that was already dedicated to pagan gods, and in their view, the early church switched to Sunday as an attempt to gain converts, and also because of social pressure to uh, make themselves distinct from Judaism. Now, in addition to the Seventh-day view, there's also the Christian Sabbath view. And this is the idea that we are still to observe a Sabbath day. Honor the Sabbath is a command, but as Christians, we are called to observe Sunday, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, uh, instead of Saturday. And we do this because of Christ's resurrection. Sunday is our new Sabbath day. Now, this is the stance taken by a lot of Protestant denominations, including the Nazarene Church. Now, the original apostles did observe Saturday as the Sabbath, but as the church grew, as it became more oriented toward Gentiles, Sunday began began to become the day that uh, was observed when the Christians would gather together. The early church fathers, they viewed the Sabbath as a Jewish observance, and they saw Sunday, the Lord's Day, as a proper Christian observance. So they felt there was a need to clearly distinguish between Christians and between Jewish people who still followed the the Mosaic Covenant. Now, a lot of the idea of Sunday being the Lord's Day comes from the fact that Jesus was resurrected on the Sabbath or on Sunday, I'm sorry. It was Sunday when they found the tomb empty and when Jesus began appearing to his disciples. He appears to Mary on Sunday. He appears to to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus on Sunday. And later that evening, he appears to the entire group of disciples except for Thomas. And it's interesting. He appears next to the entire group with Thomas, but it's a week later and it's still on a Sunday. So, what we can see then is that Jesus was appearing to his disciples on Sunday, the first day of the week, the same day when he was resurrected. So, it provides the idea that when the disciples would gather on Sunday, Jesus would be there with them. By the end of the first century, Christians had stopped thinking of Sunday as the first day of the week. That reflected more of a Jewish way of reckoning time. And instead, they'd begin to think of Sunday as the Lord's Day, which was a uniquely Christian term. The early church fathers began to refer to Sunday as the eighth day of creation. The idea was that the original creation was complete in six days and God rested. That brought about the original Sabbath, the seventh day of Saturday. But at the resurrection of Christ, God actually begins a new creation. This is the eighth day of creation. And so we have a new Sabbath to mark this, 
We celebrate Sunday as our Sabbath because Sunday was the day when this new creation began with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So the old creation was completed by the Sabbath, the seventh day. The new creation is begun on the first day, the Lord's day. Under the old covenant, man worked and then earned rest on the last day of the week. Under the new covenant, we begin with rest in Christ, the idea that we are saved through Christ's work, through Christ's resurrection. And so we can see why Sunday was marked as uh, the Lord's day. But we do have to admit there are no scripture verses for changing the Sabbath day to the Lord's day. Now, a third view of the Sabbath day is the Lutheran view. This idea is that the Sabbath command, honor the Sabbath day, was given only to the Jewish people. It does not uh, concern Christians or require Christians to obey it. We are called, though, to rest on a weekly basis, but it's not necessarily tied to any particular day of the week. So the Lutheran view is the idea that the principle of the Sabbath is still with us, the idea of taking one day a week for rest and for worship. But it's not necessarily linked to Saturday or Sunday. It could just as easily be a Tuesday, a Wednesday, etc. So the question becomes, how do we know which of the Old Testament laws are still binding upon us and which are not? And really, we have to look at three uh, points. First of all, is the Old Testament law repeated in the New Testament? We can point to the fact that all of the other commandments are repeated in the New Testament except for the commandment to honor the Sabbath day. Then you have to look at does the, or does the New Testament prohibit the Old Testament law? For example, the dietary laws are specifically annulled in the New Testament. If the New Testament doesn't repeat the Old Testament command or abolish the Old Testament command, then we have to look at the command as one of a set of categories and look to see what principle is being uh, spoken about here. If the law itself is not spoken about in the New Testament, is the principle there in the New Testament? Now, we can look at the principle that Jesus set down. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And Jesus clearly seems to be saying that there is a purpose for the Sabbath, that the Sabbath was a blessing from God, that the Sabbath is intended to be a blessing from God, but not necessarily as a rigorous rule to put us into a straitjacket. Now, Romans chapter 14, verse 5, Paul writes, One man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let every man be persuaded in his own mind. And in Colossians, Paul writes, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moons or of the Sabbath days. Now, uh, the question is, what did Paul mean by this? Paul doesn't have a quarrel with those who desire to set aside the Sabbath as a special day not as long as they don't require it for salvation or that they insist other believers agree to them. Those who esteem the Sabbath as a special day are to be honored for their point of view, and they shouldn't be despised. Others, however, 
uh, consider every day to be the same. They don't consider one day to be more special. And this is not to be judged as unspiritual. So what we seem to be uh, seeing here, Jesus is saying it's a good idea to have a Sabbath. That principle of stopping once a week to observe a day of rest and worship. And then Paul seems to be saying it's not particularly tied to any one day of the week. Uh, It's fine to use Saturday. It's fine to use Sunday or every day as the same. But it does seem to be a pattern that's, that's built into the Scripture. Six days of labor, one day of rest and worship. Now, there is a fourth view of the Sabbath, and this is called the fulfillment view. The idea that the Sabbath was a sign of what was to come. Now that we are in the New Testament, Christ has brought the true Sabbath rest into the present. And because of this, the Old Testament commands about the Sabbath are no longer binding upon Christians. The fulfillment view points out that there were many things in the Old Testament that pointed toward Christ. For example, manna. Manna was given in the Old Testament, and it pointed toward Jesus as the true bread of life, the bread that would come from heaven. The Sabbath was a day of rest in the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment of our rest in the New Testament. So, Sabbath-like rest today would not be observing a particular day, what would be through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a stance taken by the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic, the Orthodox Church, and some Protestant uh, denominations as well. So, we can see that we have three views, the Seventh-day view, the Christian Sabbath view, the Lutheran view, where you should observe a day of rest on a weekly basis. There's disagreement as to which day it should be if one day is to be uh, better than another. And you also have the idea of uh, the fulfillment, that there is no biblical command to observe a weekly day of rest or worship. Now, that doesn't say that it's not necessarily a good idea or there's anything wrong with it, but they would say there's no biblical command to follow this. And they would point to Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, Let us be careful that none of you should fall short of it. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. And so the idea is that at the completion of his work, God rested. That was uh, on the Sabbath day. Now, through Christ, God's redemptive work is complete, and we can have a similar resting in Christ. So, we can see then, we have the different views of the Sabbath. uh, And we have Paul's view that one day is not necessarily better than another. We also uh, find it interesting that when James and the other church leaders, when they considered what restrictions the Gentiles would be put under, they listed four. They said Gentiles were to abstain from blood, from idolatry, from strangled animals, from sexual immorality. And there was no mention made of an obligation to the Sabbath. So, as we look at this, we find a lot of disagreement and controversy about whether we should have a Sabbath or not. My personal feeling is, you know, that there is a scriptural principle that says 
we should be observing a weekly Sabbath day, a weekly day of rest. Now, I, I think it would be hard to prove from Scripture exactly which day that should be. But I think Scripture does teach that we are better off if we have a Sabbath day. But we also have to remember, we, we cannot make this a point of judgment against a fellow Christian. I think Paul seems to be making that clear, that we have our view on the matter. We should not judge another person on how they handle this issue. But next week, we want to begin looking at how we can incorporate a Sabbath day into our lives. I think it's important to have a Sabbath day. I think God intends for us to have a Sabbath day, and I think it's a blessing that He has given to us. So next week, we want to see how do we take advantage of this. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings to us, and particularly, Lord, for the Sabbath day that you have given us, a time when we can rest in you, when we can come to you in worship, when we can acknowledge just who you are. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we, as we study this, that you would help us to understand what the Sabbath day would mean to us, how we can honor you, and we'll give you the praise in your name. Amen.